Welcome back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, hey. This week's episode, I have to imagine, is probably going to be Jack Bauer's favorite. Why? Is he a big fan of outdated web browsers? Are we going to kill an undocumentable amount of people? Because, <laughs> you know, Jack Bauer. No, God, Paul, it's because it's episode 24. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. But Jeez. murder was so much more exciting. <laughs> Especially, you know, if it's kind of sanctioned by a government organization. All in the numbers, folks. It's all that's, in the numbers. That's the best kind of murder right there. Government sanctioned murder. <laughs> what was it? Was CTU, Counterterrorism Unit? Yeah, yep. 24 is actually old enough now we can talk about that. <laughs> That's true. I think it actually is in the hopper as well, so we'll see what happens. Excellent. Maybe a future topic. Well, uh, if you missed last week's episode, you're going to really want to check that out when the gang and I talked about Bill Nye the Science Guy. You can find that in all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. We really appreciate our listeners' support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. So here's this week's five-star review. It's from Ruliven? Ruliven? I think it's Are You Living? Ah, Ruliven. Are You Living? Ah, I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, well, Are You Living says, uh, I've known these guys since middle school, and it did not surprise me to find out that they decided to create a nostalgic podcast that looks back on our youth. I can no longer think of myself as a youngster, and this podcast only proves it by reminding me of how much times have changed since my adolescence. Such is life. I'd encourage anyone to listen to this who grew up in the late 80s to early 2000s. It'll bring back fun memories and make you feel old all at the same time. I look forward to seeing where this will go. Well, thank you, Are You Living? Five-star reviews are always encouraged and be sure to tell your friends about dating ourselves podcast let's get this party started this Woo! week i'm going to be covering a discussion on netscape navigator the web browser and don't just change the channel yet it's going to be exciting i promise <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be death and destruction and mayhem maybe a cheeseburger an undocumentable amount of kills <laughs> there you go <laughs> so um yeah, Netscape. Well, before before we dive into that, I had a quick story from the weekend. Okay, all right. So this past weekend, I took my boys fishing for the first time. I mean, they'd been out like with the little toddler poles and the weight on the end and practice casting, but I actually took them fishing with like live bait. And uh, my oldest was standing at the end of the dock he casts his bobber out, and within like two seconds, he's got a bite. And I've already started to walk back to shore. And I, you know, because I figured he would just sit there and stare at it for like an hour and I'd be set because, you know, it was the middle of a hot day. There were waves. I didn't expect <laughs> right, him to grab right. anything. 
So he goes, I got something. And I turn back and his little Fisher Price fishing pole is like folded in half. And he's about ready <laughs> to be like pulled over the edge of the dock. And I'm like, holy crap, he caught the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> I go running back out there. I grab the net on the way and I'm expecting, you know, we're going to pull a pike out of the water or something insane. It was like yeah. a seven inch rock bass. But that pole nice. was so cheap that it just couldn't handle the weight because it weighed like maybe a pound. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, probably like half of that. <laughs> but the, the the look on my face was absolutely priceless when I looked back and that, that pole was like folded in half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I I did see one picture that cracked me up from the holidays. Uh, Paul actually sent us the picture and it's Paul sitting in a lawn chair in the lake with a fishing pole. That, that is true. The kids were on the dock, and it was, I don't know, it was in the 90s, pretty close to 100 degrees out there. And so I took my lawn chair out into the water, like, you know, about chest deep. And uh, I had one of the little kids' uh, Fisher Price fishing poles, and I was just casting it out past the boats. And uh, my father thought it was hilarious, so he took a picture from the shoreline. It's pretty much made its way everywhere. I can imagine. Yeah. Even my mom saw it. She's like, oh my god, did you see this picture of Paul? <laughs> yes, mom. And, and by holidays, you, you mean the 4th of July, right? Yes. Okay, okay. I'm just... I'm <laughs> he, like, he was out there in the uh, cold winter for Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah, Christmas in December uh, in Michigan is... Uh, not a well, great time to be in a lawn chair in the middle of the Let's be lake. honest. The 4th of July in Michigan is not just the 4th of July. It starts at about July 2nd, and it goes all the way through the weekend. At least that's how long the explosions and the fireworks and the hold my beer moments and watch this keep going. Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> Were they yeah. double staffed at the emergency room? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I actually saw a post yesterday on Reddit where the guy said, and so it begins, and it was a picture of the first call of the day that had a uh, on the beeper that went through for someone that blew their fingers off. Oh, there's, a, there's a meme that I often share this time of year that says, look around you because tomorrow only one or uh, one of you will not have 10 fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that bombshell? Let's go on to the great browser war of 1995. <laughs> and remember next, uh, we will pick next time's topic at the end of the episode it will be Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! <laughs> Me and my Animorphs versus Brian and WWF Superstar Kane. I'm putting my money on Kane winning. <laughs> we will also visit our old friend the Hopper of Imagination to get another topic for Paul. So Paul, can you tell us some stuff about Netscape? I can try. Okay, that's good enough. <laughs> When I say I can try is because before I can talk about Netscape, I have to go back a little further in time. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> like the dawn of time? <laughs> the dawn of time, I think, for our generation, because it starts with the creation of the World Wide Web. 
Ooh. Oh. Uh, so we're getting into a little bit of Al Gore history here, huh? Yes, uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But Al Gore is actually responsible for Netscape. Ooh. Interesting. So. In 1989, Tim Berners-Lee created the World Wide Web, which was a, you know, basically a vast computer network to link uh, hypertext pages together. Everybody still awake? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I'm working on it. What, what year is it? <laughs> 1989 to 1990. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's 1989 right now? <laughs> Went back in time. <laughs> so Tim Brenners Lee, who is the only three first name person I've ever known to not have committed some atrocious crime. <laughs> Although you could you could make an argument that the creation of the World Wide Web was a hellacious crime because it is forever it has improved and destroyed our productivity as a as a generation. And that that and Gacy isn't really a first name, but anyway so it started with the idea of the whole system was designed it was a large network of computers that could talk to each other to share pages it was the it was meant to be an interlinked library if that makes sense so a research outpost in antarctica could send uh doc you could send their research information documents to other places and have it widely accessible to other universities that was the kind of general idea it was supposed to be the freedom and open sharing of information hmm. such as cat videos and porn Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's the important stuff to share, right? <laughs> and I think that uh, from interviews I've seen, I think that Tim Brenners Lee is very uh, okay with cat videos and porn. Uh, <laughs> where he is outspoken is the monetization that has become the internet. Mm. Yeah, he wanted it to be sense. more widely accessible for the people as a way to spread knowledge as opposed to something for corporations to make money. So obviously he's a very big supporter of like the fast lanes and the internet and yes all that yeah he he wants to uh, sell out the internet as much as possible so there's a common theme that starts right there, which is when you deal with software engineers and programmers and people like me from this generation, most of them are very uh, hippie-ish. Like that was sort of the realm they grew up in and a lot. They always want their software to be free and they wrote it on their own time for the most part with the idea of sharing information. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, this leads us to the University of Illinois, which is home to the National Center for Supercomputing Applications, uh, and the, the NCSA. And the Fighting the fight Illini. Illini. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they are a uh, they have a, they're a state federal partnership. They're basically like a government think tank for technology. Okay. So in 1991, uh, the Gore Bill was created, which is where Al Gore invented the internet. Al Gore. <laughs> and um, so the idea is behind the Gore Bill is it was supposed to push and fund technology uh, to make it more accessible for everyday people. And there was a man by the name, or there is a man by the name of Mark Andreessen, uh, who originally designed and programmed a program called Mosaic. And Mosaic was the, I shouldn't say it was the first web browser, but it was the first free and easily accessible web browser. Um, 
All of his programming was done with funding from the uh, Gore Bill grant that they received at the school. And he wrote his very first web browser for Unix. And what's kind of funny is with Unix, uh, the graphical interface is called X. Just X. I it, this is another weird hippie-ish software thing where <laughs> I've never completely understood the name, but it basically, so on your computer, the actual like graphical interface that you see where you manage tabs and windows and stuff is called the window manager. And the one for Unix or Linux is called X. And so the very first, uh, the very first uh, release of Mosaic was X Mosaic, because if you wrote something for X, you put an X in front of it. And I, I guess, could uh, list X marks the spot. Then I guess is exactly, and I could go on with examples until you all fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Who says of, we haven't? <laughs> yeah, say, it, it kind of reminds me how all the Doom files were uh, were wads, right? Isn't that what they were? Yes. Where where all the data is <laughs> at, or something, or I, I can't remember what it stands for, but something like now that. Now you're gonna make me like go have a brain fart and try and remember what it stands for. <laughs> yeah, the and Doom, the WAD file was the map that contained... So you had two files. No, they were all packed in the WAD. So WAD file had two files inside of it. One has the, like, actual drawing of the map, kind of like a uh, blueprint. And then the other had the textures that were associated to the blueprint. And you'd basically make your own levels, and then we would all, you know, put them on floppy disks and share them with everybody at school. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it does stand for where's all the data. So I was right. I just added, <laughs> I just added a preposition at the end for no good reason. So, <laughs> so Mark and uh, Mark Andreessen uh, released uh, Mosaic uh, freely and publicly on uh, what was back in the day commonly used it was use it was a use group messaging board, and almost overnight it became the most used web browser. I mean, you really only had two options, but it became the most popular. And if you go back and look at pictures of it, it looked very much uh, like what would become Netscape. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, shortly, like within within months, it was released for uh, Windows and Macintosh on the same time. So to give you a little idea of how a lot of software companies are born, usually someone makes a product like this for free on their own time because they think it would be useful. And then some big investor hears about it and they grab a whole bunch of kids and they, they pop them in the center of Silicon Valley, like the San Jose area in California, which is Disneyland for nerds. If you're a nerd <laughs> and you've never been there, you need to go to Mecca, you know, once you in your life. And, uh, just take it all in because it is an amazing place for people who work in software, just computer nerds in general. Uh, so that's what happened with Mark Andreessen, an investor uh, formerly of Silicon Graphics. His name is James H. Clark. Uh, he's kind of a crazy dude. He's known for uh, like flying trick planes, uh, like gliders and helicopters. And he's one of those like most interesting men in the world. Like he just sees something and he throws money at it, and somehow it always magically works out well for him. So like Hank Scorpio, basically. Yes. Okay. He is Hank Scorpio. <laughs> instead of recruiting Homer Simpson, he's taking Mark Andreessen <laughs> and the four other guys that he wrote Mosaic with, and he gives them a crap ton of money and he takes them out of the Midwest where they've only ever lived their entire lives and plops them into the center of California and gives them like $10 million. 
It's like a coming of age film or a <laughs> or a Bob Seger song, one of the two. <laughs> so this started what was known as the Mosaic Communications Corporation, but the uh, NCSA owned the rights to the name of Mosaic. Even though the code was freely available and you, anybody could write software based on it, the actual name, because of the grant, was owned by the school. So they changed the name of the company to Netscape Communications, and thus Netscape Navigator was born. Hmm. That makes sense. Get around the, uh, the you know, restrictions based on the grant. That makes sense. So in uh, 1993... End of 1993, early 1994, the very first release of Netscape was a beta that was posted publicly, and the software was available free for people to download and try. Uh, within two months, the beta, like the unfinished version, became the most popular browser on the internet. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. That is really impressive. So as we approach or as we approach mid-1994, it did not take long for Microsoft to take notice. At this point in time, uh, Microsoft did not have a web browser offering. They looked at the web as a fad and business application, but they didn't think it was going to take off in everybody's life. And let's sit and think about that for a moment. <laughs> that, yeah, you know, the crazy. biggest computer company of our time didn't think the web was going to go anywhere in a practical application. <laughs> God, that's crazy. I mean, that's kind of reminds me of their late arrival into the smartphone business as well. And yes, I don't think they even make windows phones anymore. Do they? They do, but they run Android now. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So. <laughs> Cause I know they, they waited forever. It's like, Oh, Blackberry's doing a thing. Oh, Apple's doing a thing. Well, we don't need to do that. Oh, now Android's doing a thing. Well, we'll try it. And yeah, I don't know. I digress. I digress. So as Netscape became more and more prolific, it was used for business uh, schools. Um, it kind of just shot everywhere. And it was a lot for a lot of people. That was the first way they ever encountered the World Wide Web. So a lot of people like, you know, we talk about reading the Internet or browsing the Internet now. For a lot of people, it was like, oh, well, I'm going to check this out on Netscape. I mean, it kind of became like one and the same initially. Uh, do you guys remember the first time that you encountered Netscape? Uh, yeah, um, I think it was probably in fifth grade, I would guess, um, in computer class. Uh, I remember using Netscape, because I think that's what all the computers were hooked up to, right? I mean, that, that's what they all had. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, I remember the little icon in the corner, it was like the N, it was like a green background, and kind of a nighttime sky, uh, like stars and stuff all above the N. Yeah, the bottom of the icon was like an ocean, and then the center of the icon was like a ship's wheel, like a captain's wheel. And then yep. uh, up above was like the dark night sky. Okay. And I'm trying to remember what we used it for, like what, what the original application was. Because at that point, I mean, nowadays you think about like literally anything you could ever want to find is on the Internet. And back then that was not necessarily the case. But I remember it made it relatively easy to find those type of things. And it's interesting in a world without Google, because now people don't, no one looks anything up anymore. They just Google it, you know, like yep. the, 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 that's the word you'd use. And kind of like Paul mentioned earlier, no one really got on the internet. They got on Netscape. Um, 
and they were kind of synonymous because the internet was almost useless unless you knew exactly what the web address was you were trying to reach. You know, that we was had the f- Metacrawler. I remember Metacrawler. Yeah, yeah, hooligans too. <laughs> yeah, hooligans. Uh, was it Hotbot? Yeah, Hotbot was another. It was like Hotbot. Yeah, Hotbot.com. It was another search engine. And then S. Jeeves came out shortly after that too. Like oh yeah, probably like ninety-seven or something like that. And Jeeves was huge. I mean, there was uh, commercials for it. It was like a big deal to have all of your web search uh, availability under one software website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Did you guys ever actually, uh, like, phrase your questions on Ask Jeeves as questions? Of course. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think you've I've, had to like like that. I don't think my mind would let me do anything else because like when you're asking him, you got to ask him a question. <laughs> I mean, it says ask Jeeves, not tell Jeeves. <laughs> Although some people ask Google too, um, so that's true. That's... I do it on a daily basis. <laughs> I yeah, I still always like. I guess that's probably a holdover from. Ask Jeeves, but I still always phrase a lot of my searches as questions, unless it's like, you know, I'm looking for something specific. But if I'm looking for, like, you know, where can I find information about this? I actually say, like, you know, what is the symptom of this or something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. See, I'm always very to the point about that, which is just so funny because I'm so long winded about everything else. But when I'm on the computer, I would just be like, Symptoms of cold search. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, never like, Google Google to get back to Google.com because you're too yes. lazy to go up to the address bar and type in Google.com. I've I've not done that. No, <laughs> I have a friend who has uh, that how to Google instructional thing uh, that he sends like on a moment's notice. It was Let so me funny. Google that for you. That's what it is. Let me Google that for you. It was really funny because me and him and our wives went to Disney World recently. We talked about that on the podcast uh, back in April. And um, I don't remember what my wife asked. It was something like, oh, what is this uh, What is this TSA pre-checker? I don't remember exactly what this... There was some sign in the airport saying, what is that? And he's like, well... Let me show you. And he's like, and he did this. Let me Google it for you. He's like, oh, that's how you look it up. And it doesn't ever show you any answers. It just shows you how to type in the search bar. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> A little passive aggressive, but still very funny. Um, so let me ask you guys: um, when you were in the computer lab in like late elementary, early middle school, and we had free time, you know, keep in mind you have all the public school like uh blockers and protections and all those like permissions that yeah. you can't you can't override what did you guys look up with those last like 10 minutes of computer class on the internet mardi gras <laughs> mardi gras you could look that up well you can try <laughs> when, when you're when you're 12 if there's a will there's a way <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was more afraid of my dad than anything, so I was not about to look up Mardi Gras on a school computer. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine 
The girl's gone wild and Brian's gone missing. Like no, you have to you have to you have to take an event for something you want and then give it a researchable topic. So when you get caught, you can say, "Oh, well, I was trying to find the history of this." Hence, why you uh. don't search for "Girls Gone Wild." You look for Mardi Gras and you let the early web banners do the work for you. Ah, very clever, very clever. I could see that once you got home from school, but I. I don't think I'd have the guts to do it while I was in computer class. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't think of anything in particular I would have looked up. It probably would have been, like, a game or something like that. Like, so, you know, like, Kid Picks or something. You know, one of those games that you could just screw around on for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, Hooligans had a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yep. There I was remember- Joe Cartoon. Yes! Oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about Joe Cartoon forever. There was, uh, like, Cartoon Network, I think, had a webpage with games. Yes. I think, I still do this from time to time. Like, if I'm having issues with the internet, or if I need to, like, just test to see if, like, a browser works, the very first page I always go to is slimjim.com. <laughs> like like the beef jerky sticks that Macho Man Randy Savage used to endorse. Like oh, for, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like oh, for whatever yeah. reason, that's like my always my go-to. That's I remember, hilarious. I remember hearing that website on the commercial from watching, you know, WCW Monday Nitro. And uh, it's like, oh, I got to try this out sometime. I got to see if that works. Um but then I also remember I looked up a lot of jokes, like a lot of Yo Mama jokes yep. and a lot of, uh, I don't know, dumb blonde jokes. Yeah, dumb blonde yeah. jokes were really big in the like the mid-90s. Dead uh, baby jokes. That was like middle school into high school, I would That's true. I would Looking think. back on that, they're all terrible. But at the time, you know, whatever reason, that was all the rage for a brief moment in time. And it's forever ingrained in my head. The, the other one I yeah. just remembered I would always go to is DarwinAwards.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, I haven't thought about Darwin Awards in forever. Oh, oh I God. used to spend hours on that site. <laughs> I I, the, I remember the first time I ever went on that site, I probably sat on there reading stories for three-plus hours, and I literally, I think I cried so much from laughing that I didn't have tears anymore. It was just like <laughs> air coming out of my tear ducts. Yeah, there's there's two Darwin Awards I remember specifically. There's a whole bunch of them. I'm sure if you started talking about them, I would remember. But my two favorites were uh, this one guy had a lawn chair and he yep. like wrapped balloons yep. to all of the arms and legs and he brought a, a gun up with him, and he was going to shoot each balloon to sort of slowly lower himself back down to, to the earth. But he brought buckshot with him, and he shot <laughs> all of the balloons out at once and <laughs> fell like 300 feet or something crazy to his death. Um, yep. And then the other guy was, out, I want to say he was frog stomping, like hunting frogs or something, and his car wouldn't start, so he replaced a spark plug or a yep. fuse or something like that with a like a live shotgun shell. Yep. <laughs> and similarly, the car started because uh, the metal in the casing or whatever was a conductor and everything worked. I, I don't know exactly how it worked, but um, he got about halfway down the road and it got hot enough where it, you know, projected the uh, the casing or whatever. Or I don't know how it all happened, but basically, he shot himself in the. In the man bits, yeah, uh, oh, yep. 
And yeah, that, that's that, that's the worst way to end a frog stomping. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But there's a lot of great ones. There's the Metallica concert one. Uh, there's the uh, car, uh, the jet turbine car. There's the vending machine the yeah the vending machine there's the rv uh the the lady the autopilot yeah the lady thought that uh the the deal they were like from europe and they rented an rv and uh the when they asked what cruise control was the guy told him oh it's kind of like autopilot on a plane probably poor choice of wording because the lady assumed that that meant that it not only maintained speed but also direction and course on the road so she puts the car into cruise control and then goes back into the rv and then they crash through a dentist's office Uh, (laughs) god there's some good ones uh there's the guy that uh, was trying to lower about 300 pounds of brick off the off the top of the building and (laughs) broke like his legs and his arms oh geez Uh, god there's so many that that's I mean, seriously, I could spend hours on that website reading about all the stupid people. Uh, well, stupid if, stuff if, that if, people if you guys want to hear us talk more about Darwin Awards, definitely submit that topic because that's something Ooh, we that's can a, talk about. That's actually forever. a great idea. Please, somebody submit that topic. Yeah. The yes. only other thing I'll Morton, mention... Mike, all of you guys, <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> the only other thing I'll mention as far as websites we used to go to is you ever wonder how much bandwidth was wasted on hamster dance? <laughs> I'm sure quite a bit. Especially since I'm sure there wasn't a ton of bandwidth back then. <laughs> and then we could, you know, I, I could we could have the GIF versus GIF debate for, you know, another hour. Oh yeah. It's that GIF. could be an interesting uh GIF. That... Team GIF. <laughs> I'll be sure to tell my brother Jeffrey. <laughs> Isn't he a giraffe? (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what you guys say. It's Jif. I think it actually is Jif. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what the no. It's a hundred percent. It's Jif. That's I'm I'm saying. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy who created that protocol said it's pronounced Jif. And if any (laughs) of you disagree with me, I will fight you. Not really, but verbally, I'll fight you in my mind because that's what I do. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay the creator of the gnome window manager told me that it's pronounced gnome oh god oh dear That's well bad. he's german so uh, it probably is gnome or that's just him trying to read the word in English. I don't know. But he was one of the guys on the founding team, and he was presenting at a conference I was at, and he said gnome. And I just, like, that killed me because I'd been correcting people for, like, ten years. <laughs> uh, you know no it's gnome it's spelled like the word gnome no it's gnome anyway so, moving back to Nets. i'm saying we, we've, we've gotten quite a ways from our topic uh <laughs> yeah jump the so shark Net- a little bit there so netscape navigator became the most popular web browser when it was still in beta uh that led the their investor uh jim clark to say hey we got to take this public now and on their first day as a publicly traded company they became worth 632 million dollars wow big deal (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Netscape single-handedly, I shouldn't say single-handedly because there were a lot of factors at this point, but they are the true seed of the dot-com boom that would come after this because if you can't get to the internet, you can't have a dot-com. And they were kind of the, they laid the, they showed us the way uh, to get to the internet. And because of that, all these other startups and other companies started to pop up and they really started the dot-com boom. I think Rick Moranis might say that they were the gatekeeper. <laughs> is microsoft the key master maybe perhaps <laughs> so microsoft as you can imagine uh took notice and had several meetings with netscape and if you listen to their version of the story they will tell you it was how can windows and netscape work to better or work together how will we handle web servers and how can we best keep the internet for everyone if you talk to Netscape, uh, Microsoft came in and said, hey, look, we're going to win this battle, and you can be with us, or you cannot exist. And Jeez. that led to them reporting um, to the Federal Trade Commission, which led to the famous lawsuit, or the, famous lawsuit uh, the antitrust lawsuit, where Microsoft was in danger of being split up into multiple companies, which was kind of a big deal in the late 90s. Yep. But it actually, the lawsuit, or they shouldn't say the lawsuit itself, but the investigation actually started in 1995. And unfortunately, it didn't get moving fast enough to save Netscape. So there's that episode of The Simpsons where Homer starts his own internet business called Internet King. Yep, and yep. I Bill remember. Gates shows up at his house and he goes, "Hey, look, uh, we we don't know what you do, but we want to buy you." <laughs> and uh, he goes, "Okay, I'm in. Uh, how much are you offering?" And then two henchmen come in and start breaking all his stuff on his desk. Ooh. And uh, Bill Gates looks at him and says, well, you don't think we get rich by spending money, do you? <laughs> and that's pretty much what Microsoft was trying to do to Netscape. Interesting. So Microsoft is the ultimate version of Dirty Pool. So they went back to the NCSA, who owned the right to the code for, or they owned the right to the name of uh, Mosaic, and they owned the code that was grant-funded, and because it was grant-funded, they couldn't buy it outright, so they just subleased it from a shell company called Spyglass Inc., and they basically bought the very first version of Internet Explorer. Hmm. Interesting. So Microsoft had uh, two things going for them. When they released Internet Explorer, they included it with every version of Windows for free, whereas Netscape was a paid add-on product. Although a lot of times when you bought a computer, like when you buy a computer from a store, it'll come with software pre-installed. Like you, the big, best example I can come by today's uh, standards is most computers you buy from Best Buy have a CyberLink DVD player on them so that you can watch DVDs and Blu-rays on your computer because that's actually an add-on paid-for product. It doesn't just automatically come with Windows. <laughs> But the manufacturer has deals in place so that the software is loaded on the computer, and much was the case with Netscape. Sure. So this is where Microsoft's other sneaky plan came in, is they employ a lot of software salesmen to, you know, push their junk. And with any good uh, software Giggity. salesman... <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm glad I wasn't the only one having dirty thoughts there. <laughs> so I don't know, you've probably... For most people, they haven't sat down and talked with a computer salesman or a software sales rep, but they make used car salesmen look like angels. 
They will, you know, they will throw in things to sweeten the pot. Uh, They'll take you out to lunch and then talk about how they're going to screw you over, or they'll just sell you something that doesn't exist yet. Because what can I do to get you in this CRM today? Exactly. Well, a lot of times with software, as what happened with Netscape, an investor will take a bunch of college kids who are prom who are promising, move them to you know Disneyland for nerds, give them a bunch of money, and say develop this product. Well, while they're developing the product, then they send out salespeople to sell the product that they're still writing oh man so a lot of times a salesman will sell something to someone that not only doesn't exist but works completely different when the customer actually gets it and i've been on both ends of that spectrum oh geez so does it ever happen where a salesman will promise something to a client and then the programmers are have to completely change course yes That's why they developed a position called a sales engineer who goes with the salesman who can rein them in when they start to go that direction. Because (laughs) I have, again, been on both sides of that as the programmer and as the person that after the fact had to write the product that they were sold because that was not the product I originally wrote. Oh, gosh. You're yawning already? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. To, to the listeners, I've been a little sick the last few days, so I'm a little... <laughs> I'm not yawning because this is boring. I'm yawning because my soul is being ripped out at the moment. <laughs> so the greatest example I can give for this as a practice is Compact Computers, which is now owned by HP, was told that if they sold computers that were pre-installed with Netscape, they would lose the right to the Windows operating system. Oh, wow. That's a power so, play. Holy crap. That's a, the ultimate power play. But if you take, you know, Windows operating system, we'll give you Internet Explorer for free and it'll work with Microsoft Office and all the applications that you're already using and we'll give them to you and it's all included. So using these tactics within four years, IE had 75% of the browser market. Wow. So. For the release of IE4, uh, Bill Gates uh, and Microsoft in general had a release party for IE4, which this was pretty much well known that this was going to be the browser that was going to kill Netscape and they were going to be no more. And uh, so what they did is instead of having it in Redmond in uh, you know Washington where Microsoft is based, they had this party in Silicon Valley, five miles from Netscape headquarters. <laughs> and they commissioned a 10-foot giant E, like the Internet Explorer logo. And at the end of this party, a bunch of drunk Microsoft engineers paid a driver to drive this E to Netscape headquarters, and the engineers then pushed it off the back of the truck into the fountain in their front yard. Man, that's that's some gall right there. (laughs) And this this is why software people are not people people. (laughs) Because this is how you resolve conflicts in technology. (laughs) Yeah, that's like showing, like waking up and having uh, your prized horse's head in your bed. I mean, that's. Uh... <laughs> you have that happen often, Brian. <laughs> I mean, whenever I, you know, don't come through on a uh, a crooner's singing deal, you know. <laughs> so this, I mean, Netscape went on for many, many years after, but this kind of signifies the end of them as a powerhouse. 
Uh, Netscape, in turn, uh, what they did is they created a public nonprofit called Mozilla. And it was to help them uh, do open source code and maintain their edge over an Internet Explorer. And if you put the two products side by side, Netscape still had the better product. All the way up till they were then, or till they were dead, they had the better product. And if you look at it now, I mean, the true successor of Netscape is Firefox, and they're still alive and well with the Mozilla Foundation. Fun and, fact: I'm uh, using them right now. And a lot of people would argue that they are still better than Internet Explorer. <laughs> oh God, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, but um, so this this period of time was referred to as the Great Browser War of 1995, and, and the fallout of it is Netscape was sold to AOL, Time Warner, as part of the whole merger deal, and. So AOL took control of Netscape, and Netscape, from that point on, became Netscape Communicator, and they created all of the AOL application suites. So if you were using AOL uh, email, calendar, um, their real media player that would play their media on the front page when you, you know, yep. right after you got the You've Got Mail, you were using Netscape Communicator. That was all bundled in with AOL, and that was from version 4 on. And they kept releasing updates and keeping it updated. In fact, um, Netscape is responsible for AOL Instant Messenger becoming its own separate product. It was part of the Netscape Communicator suite really so That's netscape awesome. actually you know worked on the code base whereas you know took it from the aol chat room that we started with to the client that we ended with that was them that was part of netscape communicator nice so uh starting with netscape 6 that was when it became you know mozilla communicator and then by 2008 yes they were around in 2008 netscape 9 was the when they officially discontinued it I had no idea. That's insane. How many people were using Netscape 9? If you were using AOL as your primary means for accessing oh, the internet, I guess that then makes sense. you were using Netscape. Interesting. And if you're using Firefox now, you're still using Netscape. In fact, it's still technically the Netscape engine underneath it if you go in the you know settings and actually look. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That's, yeah, I had no idea. That's That's crazy. But it's kind of a, you know, it's it's kind of a sad story, and I could bore you more with more of the technical stuff behind the scenes, but they always had the better product, and Microsoft kind of, I shouldn't say came out of nowhere, but they literally put everything on the line to crush them, and they sort of faded into oblivion. Although the original five founding members, including Jim Clark and Mark Andreessen and those guys, they all made their millions, so we can't feel too bad for them. Sure, <laughs> sure. Mark Andreessen's biggest regret is Netscape did not last long enough to become truly evil. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a really awkward quote. Yeah. Um, Netscape was the first browser to include a pop-up blocker. Okay. That's helpful. <laughs> uh, at that point in time, it is. I don't know if you remember the advertisements on Joe Cartoon or trying to browse any point of the internet, like around, you know, 98, 99, but it was pretty much banners everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nonstop, to the point where, like, you couldn't almost do anything because you would be constantly interrupted by, oh, here's another ad for lipstick, and here's an ad for um, a timeshare, and, you know, nonstop. Um, 
Well, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, everything that I wanted to cover. Do you guys have any uh, questions or stories from the old days of the web? Nope. Yeah, I, I, I think we covered most of uh, my memories. We, d- we didn't have the internet at home until I was in high school, so my Netscape memories are literally just going to slimjim.com <laughs> in fifth grade <laughs> computer class. <laughs> nice. Now now listen to those words, kids. kids. <laughs> we did not have the internet at home until we were in right, high school. Right. Yeah, and that didn't mean I had it in my pocket with my cell phone either because uh, we didn't have cell phones then. Uh, my dad was fortunate enough to have a car phone that was attached to the console um, it had like a curly cord and everything attached to it, and they charged you by the minute to use that thing. So oh, it's not gosh, used often. Yeah, it's not nearly as expensive as like an airplane phone because those were like nine dollars a minute or something crazy. Yeah. This was still like two or three bucks a minute though. So um, the one thing that kids today though are truly missing out on, and I really you know wish would come back in some sort of fashion is you remember how good it felt to slam down a phone after yes. like a really bad argument you know when you'd slam that thing down and you'd hear the bell ring because you'd actually physically ring the bell that was inside the phone <laughs> yes yes if or, i did yes. that today it would be an 800 hundred dollar mistake or you like <laughs> right exactly or even with the flip phones where you could like at least flip it shut and get that little satisfaction of the little like you know the plastic smacking together now you get mad, you try to hit the red button and you miss it, so then you're sitting there poking your phone for like three or four <laughs> seconds trying to... Or it's too cold and you're just swiping your finger back and forth and it's not doing anything. <laughs> the, the only the only acceptable solution uh, to that problem is to uh, do like Barney Stinson does in one of the episodes and calls the guy that he hang up, uh, hung up on, calls him back, and then he goes... Hanging up on you once wasn't enough, and then he hangs up again. <laughs> I think that's the only acceptable way to do that now. See, I'm surprised you guys get in this many fights with your moms, because that's literally the only person I talk to on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is by text, you know, or yeah. Facebook message or something, and it's never by... Uh... It's never by the actual phone. Uh, That's something that I still can't get used to. Like, I I work at a college where I actually see students type papers with their cell phones. And for me, like, even a text message, like, I I do most of my text messages from the computer. I can't stand to type anything on my phone for a prolonged period of time. And if it takes me more than five minutes to type it with my thumbs, I'd rather just have a 30-second phone call. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But that means you actually have to have, like, persons, like, people skills to do that. (laughs) That's true. You have to look up from the the blue light on your phone to uh, talk to somebody, communicate. Oh, I was going to say, you can't just drop a giant uh, Internet Explorer logo into someone's fountain. (laughs) (laughs) That was my my new, uh, like, that was going to be my new go-to revenge thing, but I guess that's out. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I recently uh, I have uh, 
I have friends with uh, teenage kids, and recently they were talking about a plate, their plate over the weekend where the Domino's app was down, so they were unable to order pizza. <laughs> and I was like, man, imagine if there was some sort of device where you could contact them without using the internet. <laughs> Heaven forbid you have to dial seven digits and then, you know, actually speak to someone on the phone. That is just too much. And, and speaking of which... Not doing that really kind of uh, took away one of the great life experiences. I was over at a friend of the show's house for the 4th of July, and we were all hanging out at the pool. There was a bunch of us out at the pool, and one of the people there had uh, their son with him. We were all talking, and it was like, well, do we want to grill burgers and brats and hot dogs, or do we want pizza? And the son was like, what? Well, let's get pizza. So they're like, okay, let's get Little Caesars. So our friend of the show calls Little Caesars and the guy picks up and he's like, hi, this is, you know, this is Little Caesars. How can we help you? And my, our buddy goes, uh, oh, I just wanted to see if you guys were open today. That's all I needed. And the guy goes, yeah, we're open. Like he had the most <laughs> defeated defeated tone in his voice it was kind of unbelievable (laughs) (laughs) well before we get caught on any more tangents um i think this wraps up our discussion on netscape navigator yes are we good yes yep all right okay good um because the next part we're gonna be moving on to nostalgia combat nostalgia combat devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will lead their chat next week. Brian, professional wrestler Kane, and Adam and the Animorphs, my new favorite indie band. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on our debut record. So, we all right remember a certain daredevil from our childhood who was the spawn of one evil Knievel. Yes. Yes. During what year did Robbie Knievel attempt, or I shouldn't say attempt, successfully complete the jump his father never could, which was the Grand Canyon? Oh. Oh, jeez. I'm going to say 97. Was... Oh, my God. That was the year I was going to say. Like, literally <laughs> the exact year I was going to say. <laughs> I guess I'm going to I'm have to go with 98. The Grand Canyon jump was on May 20th, 1999. Really? Yeah! <laughs> it was Robbie Knievel's most famous jump, uh, partially based on his father's desire to perform the jump of the Grand Canyon, but it was never completed. Hmm. Well, hot diggity damn, folks. Uh, I guess that means that I won. Uh, so the next time we all meet, we're going to be discussing WWF Pro Wrestler Kane. The uh, big red machine. That's right. Uh, Adam still has the Animorphs in his pocket, and now we need to find a new topic for our friend Paul. So let's go visit the Hopper of Imagination. Come on, guys. Let's take a little walk and 
right. I want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. All right, Paul, the hopper has determined your fate. We have three to- Go on. We have three topics that you can choose from. I will list those off once you decide which topic you'd like to choose for next week. <laughs> I will then present you with your topic for the next week. Sound good? It's been, it's been a while Do since Adam's done this. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been a few months. Yeah. All right. I was yeah. going to say, are you going to give me the categories before the topic? Or I should say, are you going to give me the categories or the topic before the categories? Or how many, give, How's this work? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you the topics. Yes, yes. So we have events, TV show, or pop culture. When you say events, is it shared life events or like man lands on the... Uh, no, like uh, like pop culture events. Can I get the categories again from the top? Yes, events, TV show, and pop culture. Hmm. I'm going to have to go with pop culture. All right. Uh, this is actually a, a um, topic submitted by Mary Beth M., and your topic for next week is going to be 90s songs on YouTube. That's a topic? Yes, it is. Submitted well, by I know, submitted I by listen American. to 90s songs on YouTube all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a particular uh, video, like a, a viral video that's in the style of 90s songs. Oh, yeah, it yeah, like, yeah. It like revisits a whole lot of topics in one song. Yes, that sounds correct. So uh, I think that's the topic that, uh, that that she's referring to. So that's a gold line right there. That'll be that'll be fun. Um, well, thanks everyone for joining us on dating ourselves. Next time we do this, I will be chatting about WWF professional wrestler Kane. Adam has the Animor still, and Paul has this new um, a new YouTube video covering old nostalgic topics. We're going to be taking a little bit of time off, guys. The month of August, we are going to be still recording material, but we uh, we want to also have some time for our summer, and we want to give you all a break from hearing our annoying voices and all of that good shenanigans. But we'll be coming back on September 6th, so don't forget to stop by and pay us a visit. Uh, thanks Make again, sure everybody. Make sure you wake us up before September ends so that we can get those... <laughs> Episode I thought you were going to wake us up before you go-go. <laughs> hey, I mean, they can do that, too. <laughs> Take me dancing tonight. <laughs> well, if you guys like what you heard, there's always more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at Dating ourselves podcast at AOL.com. We've, We've got, got mail. mail. Yeah. By Netscape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> see what in addition to iTunes, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. We post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at dating ourselves podcast and we do the Twitter thing too at dated podcast and due to a low number of requests and subscriptions we are also going to take a temporary hiatus from Whispercast as well uh, <laughs> so so adam will not be creeping through anyone's windows in the middle of the night anymore to uh whisper there's, our podcast there, to them <laughs> there's been some 
there's been some legal issues with that <laughs> something, something about uh breaking and entering and uh trespassing and stuff like that <laughs> Yeah. Well, in the meantime, Adam's girlfriend, Alexa, would be more than happy to plow the shore for you upon request. <laughs> Dang it, I didn't know we were public with that yet. <laughs> she reads me the news. Well, folks, remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Later, guys. Peace. Peace.